Welcome to Paranormal Almanac. With your host, Kurt Sandvig. I'm your host, Kurt Sandvig, and on this week's edition of Paranormal Almanac, let's talk about ghost pets. But first, as always, we have shout-outs for the patrons. Head on over to patreon.com slash paranormalalmanac for all your patron needs, including bonus episodes. They They get their own bonus episodes, and there's a new one coming out very soon. All right, we have shout-outs going out to Sandy, Paige, Kaush, Sean, Sandy Page, Kyle, Sean, Deborah, Andrew, Tasha, Scott, Andrea, Devin, Melody, Ricardo, Vicky, Christopher, Vanessa, Marisol, Liam, Roger, Michael, Terminal Animal, Alicia, Derek, Becca, Jen, Elizabeth, Voidtech, Sherry, Art, Muffin, Trudy, Tim, Kenneth, Paul, Ricardo, Ian, Eric, Brandon, Jen, Alexandra, George, Connie, Seth, Jason, Cindy, Kim, Ashley, what's that? Loki, Carrie, Ezram, Robin. Will, Lauren and Phil Mangano, Russell, Donald, April, Seth, Isabel, Audra, Dorian, Cindy, Bob, Sean, the Sean Bishop, that is, Paula, Jerry, Leo, Scoston, Lindsay, Megan, Aaron, Jeff T, Harley, Suzanne, Joe, Lawrence, Melissa, Lauren, Strawn. Oh, I almost said it wrong again. Hey, howdy, hi. Veronica, Autumn, J. Mark, Manning, Carolyn, Martin, Jade, Nanashi, Chuck, Todd, Jamie, and Elijah Hendrickson, Juliana, Dan, Laura Pitts, and Gamer Fan. All righty. For the 200th episode, I want to chat with patrons. That's right, the longtime patrons. The patrons that make this show exactly what it is. I want to have you guys on the show as special guests. So patrons, if you're interested, well, only if you're interested, I don't want to pressure anybody into it, but if you're interested, I want to have part of the 200th episode, chats, interviews, personal paranormal stories, what, what have you, with the patrons. So... If you want to be a patron, now's a good time to do it because I'm going to start reaching out or hopefully have the patrons reach out to me with their schedules and actually start recording some of these bits for the 200th episode, which is coming up soon. So it's another good reason to become a patron. Alrighty, for merch needs, head on over to storeenvy.com, search for Paranormal Almanac. We have stickers and hats and shirts and hoodies and all that kind of stuff. But before I move on, I do have to give one special shout out, well, two, two special shout outs as always. To Joe and a Stitch. That's right. The shows are dedicated to Joe and Stitch always. All right. With that, let's get into paranormal. Oh, wait, wait, hold on. I'm not set. I'm not set up for it yet. Let me banter for a minute. So now let's get into paranormal news. is that all right the first story in paranormal news unknown space object beaming out radio signals every 18 minutes remains a mystery now i will say that 
there's a good chance this is not paranormal because it's a steady beacon like that. It could be it could be something man-made. Don't get me wrong, not man-made, but alien-made. Don't get me wrong, but it's probably like a star pulsing. But they say that while mapping radio waves across the universe, astronomers happen upon a celestial object releasing giant bursts of energy. And it's unlike anything they've ever seen before. These spinning space objects spotted in March 2018 beamed out radiation three times per hour. In those minutes, it became the brightest source of radio waves viewable from Earth, acting like a celestial lighthouse. I like that term. Astronomers think it might be a remnant of a collapsed star, either a dense neutron star or a, or a dead white dwarf star with a strong magnetic field, or it could be something else entirely. Aliens. Could be aliens. It could be aliens. They say the object was appearing and disappearing for over a few hours during our observations, said lead study author Natasha Hurley Walker, an astrophysicist at Curtin University of the node of the International Center for Radio Astronomy Research. That was completely unexpected. It was kind of spooky for an astronomer because there's nothing known in the sky that does that. And it's really quite close to us, about 4,000 light years away. It's in our galactic backyard. So it is very cool, don't get me wrong. Like I said, very neat. Probably the remains of a massive star's death, which even that, that is cool as hell, but probably not aliens, but it could be. I'll, I'll put that little Discovery Channel thing like, but it could be aliens. Yeah, it could be. Fuck, I don't know. All right, up next is an old news story, but it's relevant to this episode, so I wanted to add it. Now, this story came out in 2016, September 2016. Which is funny because there's another story later on, <clears throat> spoiler, that is also, I believe, from 2016. Uh, lots of weird ghost pets, animals in the news in 2016. All right, but like I said, it's attached to this story, it ha or it's attached to this episode, so I had to do this story. Bereaved woman captures ghost of dead dog while filming her new pet in spooky footage. A bereaved woman claims she captured the ghost of her dead dog on camera while taking a video of her new pet. Her name is Kimberly Pierce had to have Cocker Spaniel Sadie put down just a, just a week earlier and was filming with her new puppy, Bella, when she saw the spooky apparition. The footage appears to show a dog-shaped spirit flash across the room while the other dog scampers around. Uh, she's from North Carolina. She believes it was a 12-year-old Sadie coming back to tell her she'd forgiven her for having put her down. Oof. Uh, she said, it was only a few days after when I was showing the video to a friend that I saw her appear. I just knew it was her. That was my dog. I was in shock. I went outside and I started to cry, but then I started to smile. I had been begging for her to give me a sign. You can see it's a white and caramel color, so that's my little girl. The video had been taken around lunchtime, and no cars can go past my house to make a reflection, and no birds for a shadow or anything. We live quite far out in the country. There's nothing else it could have been. Before I kind of did, wait, before I kind of did and didn't believe, oh, I see what you're saying. Before I kind of did and didn't believe in ghosts, now I really do believe. Um, it might sound strange, but a couple of days after Sadie died, I finally went out and sat on the porch and half an, and had a half hour conversation with her. I just begged her to forgive me and for, and for her or God to send me a sign so that I knew she was okay. All right. Where's the video? I want to watch the video. All right. I'm going to move up to the top. Maybe that's where the video is. Hmm. I want to try and find the video. Cause as you guys know, I don't watch the videos until the actual paranormal news starts. I think I found it. Okay. All right. Let's see. Let me turn on. All right, I see the dog, real dog, the, the, the live dog. Oh.
Yeah. Alright, there. Wait a second. I gotta rewind that. You do see something. She's calling her other dog in case you're wondering what she's doing right then. Whoa, what the crap is that? Watching it for a third time. Hold on, I don't need the sound. I don't need the sound. All right, so she calls her big dog over, and then she's like, the big dog comes over, and then she calls this little dog over, and right before the little dog comes running, huh, yeah, there, there is something there. I don't know. It's more like a camera glitch than a, than a dog. I don't see brown and white, I'll be honest, but it does seem like a dog went running just prior to the small dog running. Came running, not went running. Came running right before the small dog came running. That is very bizarre. I'll definitely put it up on the Facebook pages. Huh, that's really interesting. Um, let me see. There's more to the story. It warmed my heart. A psychic has told me that she walks around with me. Nobody knew how badly I felt. I don't feel bad anymore, and I can play with Bella. I, it's just like her. She was such a loving dog. She used to sleep with me. She had been curled up around my head, and my husband said it was like she was a hat. When we were home, she used to follow me around. She was always at my feet. Whoever walked through the door, whether she knew them or not, was your best friend. She never snapped or bit or growled. She said that she does believe this is a one-off visitation from her companion. I, I'm not holding out hope for Sadie to appear again. I think she was just answering me after our conversation out on the porch. I would like for people to know that lost loved ones, that lost ones are here with you. They can come back to let you know they're okay and that they do love you. I want people to see Sadie and smile. Well, hey, you know what? I did smile. I did see something. Hopefully you guys will see something when I post that online. Um, yeah, that was really interesting. That was really interesting. All right, let's move on in paranormal news. There's a lot of, there's a lot of episode to get to. Up next is, has Nessie moved to Wimbledon? Snap taken by construction manager out for early morning stroll. Looks just like a 1934 photo that helped spark the Loch Ness Monster craze. That photo has since been debunked, but, uh, oh no, did I lose internet? Oh no. Okay, I'm back. Ooh, that was worrisome. I lost internet for a brief second. A photo shot by construction site manager, Eric Chitros, sure, why not, captures a black outline in the water that looks like the mythical monster, but it really looks like, to me anyway, for, <laughs> I mean, it really, really looks like to me, it's a, it's a tree branch. It looks like a tree branch. Yeah, it looks like a photo of Nessie, but it's the it's a tree branch. No. Nope. I'm moving on because there's a lot of stuff to get to today. That's not Nessie. Not a monster. Uh, that's a tree branch. Up next in paranormal news, Russian-Ukraine crisis deterring aliens from making their presence known, says UFO specialist. Now, if he would have called himself an expert, I would have immediately went, bullshit. But he says specialist, so I'll keep reading the article for you guys. UFOlogist Nick Pope has said that the Russia-Ukraine crisis is deterring aliens from making their presence known. During an interview with British tabloid, Pope said, Highly evolved extraterrestrials probably regard warfare as something that only primitive civilizations engage in. Well, that's true. The, Ukra the Ukraine situation means we're unlikely to get an invitation to join the Galactic Federation for the time being. All right, sorry. Sorry, everybody listening. It sounds like we're not going to get, don't go bother, don't don't even bother looking in your mail today or whenever you listen to this episode. You're not going to find an invitation to join the Galactic Federation in your mail. He says, aliens might wonder at the wisdom of the UK going, going up against Russia, but would probably realize that being in a coalition helps. Okay. Uh-huh. I'm going to, I'm going to move on to the next story. Uh-huh. No Galactic Federation for you guys. You guys think about what you did. That's right. Russia and the Ukraine. Russia, really. Russia's ruining it for all of us because of them. No Galactic Federation for us. All right, up next in paranormal news. 
Investigator looking into reported UFO sightings in McDowell. That's McDowell, not McDonald's, just so in case you guys. During the Christmas season last year, a McDowell County resident reportedly saw bright lights in the night sky. And what he claimed to have seen flying overhead was not Rudolph or the Star of Bethlehem. Mike Grant is an investigator for MUFON. Uh, it's sort of a, you all know what MUFON is. He's hoping to find some additional witnesses for a strange event that reportedly occurred along the Vane Mountain Road and Macedonia Church Loop in southern McDowell County in the early hours of Sunday, December 26th. I realize it's a long shot, but I'd like to be thorough and try to uncover any additional information that might help my investigation. He said the person who reported the sighting will remain anonymous and the exact location will not be disclosed, but the sighting took place on Sunday, December 26th, between 1.30 and 3 a.m. near the intersection of Macedonia Church Loop and Vane Mountain Road. Uh, but, but, but where is it? I don't know where... I don't know where McDowell is. Apparently it doesn't say it. But based on by Lake James State Park, that's about all I can find. Um, I have no idea where McDowell is, but uh, yeah. If you are if you were there on December 26th, if these locations sound familiar to you, the intersection of Macedonia Church Loop and Vane Mountain Road, you were there on, some, on Sunday, December 26th, between 1.30 and 3 a.m., this guy is looking to talk to you. The anonymous person continued to, oh, wait, I missed something. Oh, here we go. The witness was outside of his residence taking a walk when he saw a bright light in the sky that appeared to be moving. The witness initially thought it might be a plane or maybe satellites in the sky. However, the white orb-looking object was erratic in its movement and continued to remain in a certain area in the sky, not moving with the Earth's rotation, he means. The anonymous person continued to watch, uh, watch the UFO for almost two hours, and during that time span, on multiple occasions, several smaller-looking objects, white or blue in color, traveled towards the large orb and then disappeared. He also observed multiple smaller red objects or orbs in the sky that seemed to be to the left or the right of the main orb, but at different distances from it. They appeared to be moving erratically towards and then away from the main orb and also seemed to disappear from view on the cloudless night. The witness stated he was amazed by what he saw, and when he retired for the night, the main large orb was still visibly present. What? You went in if it was still up there? He could also not give an estimate of how far away or how up, high up it was. All right. This was 20, 2020, uh, 2021. This was December 26th, 2021. Everybody's got a freaking phone. You watched this thing for almost two hours, then left before it, it, before it left, before you went inside, before it even left. And you didn't get a video of any of this? Come on, man. No wonder you want to remain anonymous. You're dumb. You're dumb at watching UFOs. I'm moving on. Up next in paranormal news, My Haunted History begins filming. This sounds actually very cool. That's right. Filming has begun on a new docu-series, My Haunted History, that starts in the Metro East of somewhere. It doesn't really say. Doesn't say. Doesn't matter. Granite City resident Colton Crawford started shooting the show last week at Granite City Hall, followed by the Granite City Public Library, gathering more information about the history of Granite City from the founding day to present day. They're going to do a haunted history show, the stuff that I love. If you guys have listened to the episodes, you know I love, and I'm going to talk about it in a minute, I love newspaper reports about ghosts and cryptids and UFOs and all that stuff because it gives credence to it. And I've often said that if I was to do a paranormal investigation show, I would look at the history of the location as well as the current layout of the location. Like if I'm going to a uh, you know, an old plantation house, 
I would go to the records and see what the house looked like in the 1800s and the 1900s and 1700s. However, to see if they have updated the house that would explain why ghosts are going through walls. Because that's still my theory is that at the time that that person was alive, there was a hallway there or there was a room there or there was a stairwell there. So I dig the fact that this person is going back through history trying to find credence to haunted reports, trying to find examples of haunted reports throughout the years and make this, in my opinion, more scientifically accurate documentary series. I think it's very neat. uh, This person says, that's what makes it more realistic, reality TV and lifestyle. From my experiences, also the different business owners and people from that town have knowledge of what grew up there. So it was really fun to go to a city hall and talk to the people themselves because they've heard the legends. They've heard the ghost stories as they've grown up in that town. Really neat, really great idea. Kind of the same kind of stuff that I've been talking about doing that I would love to have done for a very long time. I think it's fantastic. I think it's a great idea. All right, that about wraps it up for, um, yeah, let's, let's finish there. There's a lot of stuff to get to. That about wraps it up for Paranormal News. Let's take a quick break. We'll be right back. We are back. Alrighty, on this edition, let's talk about some of the bestest ghosts out there. Ghost pets. Now, while they're not as common as, like, ghost women in white dresses, they're still out there. There are a lot of reports of ghost pets, and they're found around the world. Now, even though I'm calling this episode Ghost Pets, let me just preface this first story for a second and say, yeah, this first one may not have exactly been someone's pet, but it may have been. Prove me wrong. Prove me. Prove to me that it wasn't someone's pet. So I'm still going to call them a ghost pet. And frankly, unless you guess the exact time of day that I'm recording this right now, my address, and you break in while I'm recording, you guys can't stop me. Ooh. All right. Unless you're a time traveler, in which case... Please stop me, because if you come back in time for this episode, something's seriously wrong with you. You could stop, like, I don't know, like JFK's assassination or John Lennon's assassination or watch the Beatles on the rooftop. Yet, you decide to come back to this moment right now to to stop me talking about ghost pets? What's going to happen if I talk about ghost pets? Like, why are time travelers trying to stop me? So, if you're a time traveler, I will allow you to stop me right now. Obviously, you'll have to have figured out what the time and the day and everything is, but you're a time traveler. I'm sure you know this stuff. So, yeah, you guys could stop me, but the rest of you, nope. You can't stop me from calling this first story a ghost pet. But I should say, before I get to the ghost pet, I do have to talk about the place where the ghost pet is seen. It's now known as Ghost Ranch. It's located in the north-central New Mexico area. But before it was Ghost Ranch, it was called... Rancho de los Brujos, which I'm sure I didn't say right. Now, Brujos, that means male witch. So I think I got that part right. Uh, So anyhow, there are two Archuleta brothers. Those are the Brujos. They settled on the land in the late 1800s. One brother drove the cattle to Santa Fe and returned with payment in gold. The other brother, Juan Ignacio, accused him of hiding some of the money. So, of course, they fight and Juan Ignacio kills his brother. Now, he buried his brother's body on the hillside, and he warned his widow to tell no one. And if she did, 
he would sacrifice their baby, uh, not theirs, but like her and the brother that died, their baby to the evil spirit Vivaron. Vivaron! All right, so the Vivaron was a snake demon. Now, it was described by locals throughout the generations as being snake-like, about 20 to 30 feet long, and it went from generation to generation, and people thought of it kind of like a ghost tale because people would see the Vivaron in this area, around this ranch, forever. This giant 20 to 30 foot long, possibly snake-like thing, or at least with the snake's head, <clears throat> they would see it in the area. So people was like, oh, it's just, you know, like a, a local legend or local ghost story to scare kids. But the ghost snake demon was seen by locals for centuries. Some even saw it in the 1900s. There's a story about a badly frightened sheep herder, which shepherd is what it is, who had stumbled upon the ghost demon Vivaron while searching for his lost donkey. So there's even tales of this thing into the 1900s. But for the most part, the tales just weren't taken seriously. Everybody just thought it was a ghost story. Until... In 1947, paleontologist Edwin H. Colbert unearthed a huge cache of fossil skeletons at Ghost Ranch. That's right, on the actual Rancho de las Brujos, on Ghost Ranch itself. They, they started uncovering tons of dinosaur skeletons. These included more than a thousand different dinosaur species, but also a new species a very elongated, nine-meter-long, crocodile-like creature that became known as the Phytosaur. So this creature, you know, give him some credit because if it's a ghost demon-looking thing, people aren't going to go, oh, he had, like, stubby legs like a, like a crocodile. I could get that they would call it a snake-like creature, but this creature resembled the Vivaron, the thing that people have seen for centuries. So, a lot of people think, and I'm kind of on board with it, a lot of people think that what these people were seeing, the Vivaron, was actually the ghost of a phytosaur. That's right, I'm starting this episode with the freaking ghost of a dinosaur. Ghost dinosaur. Now, that's a ghost I want to see. Add that to the list of ghosts that I do want to see. You know, ghost kids... Nah, not particularly. Ghost dinosaur? Hell yeah, every time. Put that on the list. I want to see a ghost dinosaur. But I almost hated that I started this episode with a ghost dinosaur because I'm going to be honest with you. It's pretty much impossible to beat that story. But trust me when I say the rest of the ghosts are all ghosts I want to see. Well, kind of. I'll get to that. I don't want to spoil too much. Yeah, pretty much. I'll say 99% of the ghosts on this episode are ghosts I want to see. Yeah, yeah, I'll put it that. 90%, 99% maybe. All right, with that, like, when I do these kinds of episodes, as you know, as I kind of talked about in Paranormal News, oh, if you guys skipped Paranormal News, if you're one of those people that jump ahead until the quote-unquote actual episode and you skip ahead all the beginning, well, guess what? You've already missed a ghost animal story, so you're going to have to go back in and listen to that, but... In that uh, paranormal news, I kind of talked about like uh, that I like to go back into time and 
and read the newspapers about like newspaper archives about like history and haunting hauntings and cryptids and stuff like that. Look, I love doing that, but I have since found out that a lot of listeners do not like when I do the historical episodes from the newspaper archives. So I won't get heavy into it, but let me just say ghost pets is a great topic to search in newspaper archives online. So if you're like me and you've got a subscription to it, I highly suggest you type in ghost pets because there are a lot of them. I figured I'd probably get, I don't know, like say 50 to 100 stories. And and I'll be honest, like for like Bigfoot, you're going to get probably close to 1,000 UFOs, more than 1,000. But for ghost pets, I thought, oh, I'm going to get like 50 to 100 stories. Nope. There were over 24,000 articles about ghost pets. Let me read all 24,000 articles about ghost pets to you right now. Starting with, no, I'm not going to do that. The earliest ones, though, were from the 1700s. Ghost pets talked about in newspaper articles from the 1700s. And I found this kind of interesting. Hopefully you guys do, too. For some reason, there were a shit ton of ghost pets cited and reported from 1850 to 1899. How many? Over 18,000 in those 50 years alone. Look, I don't know what happened to people's pets during that time and why so many came back, but that's some serious ghost pets wandering around at the end of the 19th century. That must have been just like ghost pets everywhere. For you skeptics, yes, I did notice that that's when the spirituality fad and all those fraudsters came about. They really went kind of like mainstream and it was like a big a big thing right then. I get that. Maybe that accounts for some of them, but how does that account for 18,000 ghost pet sightings between 1850 and 1899 around the world? That just seems high. That's all I'm saying. That seems high. All right, while I was researching for this episode, I found it really funny that there are actual categories when it comes to ghost animals. It's not just like, oh, you got yourself a ghost dog. No, no, no. There's this person, paranormal researcher, Joshua Warren. He came up with these. Not me. Here they are. You got your ghost animals. And then there's ghostly animals. Ghostly animals. Ghost animals further break down into entity ghosts and imprint ghosts while ghostly animals break down into elemental ghosts and harbinger ghosts. Look, it was some serious D&D type shit. I'll, I'm going to do a very brief synopsis for those who care. If you don't care, skip ahead 30 seconds. It's not going to kill you. Just listen. Entity ghost animal. It's an interactive, unpredictable, self-aware apparition of an animal. Like a dog that comes back to you after death to like nudge you on the leg or or you see running with your other dogs, that kind of thing. Imprint ghost animal. A non-interactive ghost animal. Appears to have no immediate awareness of its environment. Uh, that would be like a horse drawing a ghostly stage cro- stagecoach along a set path. Like a residual haunting. There's going to be a couple out here, don't worry. Like a movie being played on a loop. That's their example. Next, elemental ghostly animal is one that may have never occupied a physical body. An example like this would be the Hellhounds of the UK, perceived as demonic, ominous, uh, ominous? ominous creatures from the netherworld. All right, moving on. 
harbinger ghostly animals. They're physical animals in our real world, but they carry with them spiritual energy. Spiritual energy. They're physical animals in our real world. They carry spiritual energy. Such creatures might have been specifically charged with paranormal energy, such as a witch's familiar. These animals have special powers and can foretell the future. Uh, the harbinger ghostly animal gets its name because they're most referred to as the harbingers of death. All right, look, I'm not going to go too far down that rabbit hole. That's about as far as in. But I did think it was interesting about the harbinger animals one. I thought that one was pretty cool. Here is a huge, huge, huge grain of salt story about a harbinger ghostly animal. In the 18th century, lions were kept at the Tower of London. That's just, that right alone is fucked up. That first sentence. The Tower of London had lions kept in cages and polar bears and monkeys and all this other kind of crap in London. All right, so 18th century, lions were kept at the, at the Tower of London. The principal main lion was named after the reigning monarch at the time. So when George II became ill, it was until the, 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 the lion, the George II became ill, everybody expected the George II, the king, to die around the same time. Now, the fish in the pond in Normandy responded dramatically when Henry II died. Even though their pond was five miles away from the castle, a few days before the king's death, they suddenly engaged in a battle of mutual extermination. That's weird. But, Kurt here, I just did a little bit of research, and I don't know if that's true. Because one story says it was King George. When King George the lion got sick and then died, King George died. Another site said, no, no, it's not King George. When Elizabeth I, the lion, got sick and died, Elizabeth I, the queen, died. Bullshit. Elizabeth I, lion. There was a lion, there was a lion named Elizabeth I. That lion died in 1603. The queen did not die anywhere near that time. Uh, let's see. Elizabeth I lion died in 1603. Its keepers would not have been unduly surprised that Virgin Queen herself passed away shortly after. Uh-uh. I can't find any credible evidence on any site of either of these things happening. Some say the lion's name wasn't even King George, but it was called Pompey. But here's the problem with that. Pompey died two years before King George died. So I didn't find any evidence that these harbingers, these lion harbingers of doom, you know, predicted the deaths. There are a lot of stories about the fish. That is kind of weird. The fish in the pond in Normandy, which was five miles away from the castle, they all basically killed each other and died days before the king died. But coincidence? Probably. I don't know. But if one of one or both of those stories about the lions do turn out to be true, that's pretty cool. I mean, you know, not for the lions, I guess, but you, you know what I mean. It'd be pretty cool if there was some predictor of that, if there was some correlation to that. But from what I can find, there wasn't. I don't think there was. But again, I'm not an expert on the lions of the Tower of London and when they died compared to when the kings and queens died. It's not my bag. All right, anyhow. So we got a categories. We have a dino, a ghost dino, but let's get to the real ghost pets. Now, the first one is a mini paranormal news in this episode. 
it's a story out of 2016 from Lancashire. See what I was saying earlier? 2016, something about ghost animals. This is where truck driver Barry Kennedy and his partner Christine, both 39, they lost their family pet, Muttley, after he was put to sleep at age 18. The couple claimed their their house in Lancashire, 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 I don't know, had previously been haunted by the ghost of an old man. Daughters Bethany, 13, and Chloe, 10, were left frightened to death after an eerie apparition appeared at the foot of Bethany's bed. The couple also claimed they had been scratched by demonic forces. But, astonishingly, the family now claims the ghouls have been exorcised by their cherished pet, Muttley. Because two months after Muttley passed away, Mr. Kennedy decided to go out to decided to go to get out his camera after spotting mysteriously floating orbs near the pooch's favorite spot in the house. In addition to the peculiar sight, he claims he could also smell wet dog, and so began recording to see what the camera would pick up. To his astonishment, he says the ghost of Muttley can clearly be seen in the footage. I couldn't find the footage. A translucent image appears from the left of the screen heading right, which Mr. Kennedy says resembles Muttley's front leg and face walking across the screen. I thought it was silly at first, but once I saw it with my own eyes, I realized it simply wasn't dust or anything like that. He said I was taking pictures of the kids in the kitchen when I noticed strange orbs on the pictures. At the same time, we always got the smell of wet dog. One day I just stood in the kitchen calling his name, taking pictures, and it happened again where his basket used to be. I thought it was really silly at first, but once I saw it with my own eyes, I realized it simply couldn't be dust or anything like that. You can see his footstep on the floor as he moves past the camera and the shape of his head. People have said it could be smoke, but smoke rises. doesn't move around so quickly like that. If I thought it was smoke, I would never have shared it online as we got a lot of backlash from it. That sucks. Leave the poor guy alone. Uh, Since being posted online, the clip has been viewed and shared hundreds of thousands of times with the couple receiving abuse amid claims it's a fake. Uh, Mr. Kennedy went on to add, We got so much hassle from sharing the video online, such as messages from people saying it was fake and so on, I just regretted doing it at all. That's probably why I couldn't find the video. In spite of it all, he says, After capturing Muttley's ghost, they have had no trouble with other paranormal forces in the house. He says the feeling was quite nice in the end that he came back to see us. In spite of it all, he says, After capturing Muttley's ghost, They've had no other trouble at all. All right, that is cool. Um, I wish I could find the video. Let me treat, let me take a second and see if I can find the video. Let me see if it's this one. Ghost Muttley, where are you? I got to wait 15 seconds for this ad to end. So you guys got 10 seconds. How are you guys doing so far? Got a ghost dino. You got cool Muttley coming back to help his family. I think that's cool. All right, let's see. Turn it up so you guys can hear it. Oh, this might be it. Here's a kid's leg. Ooh. Oh. What the? Yeah, what the? Hold on. I want to watch that again. Holy shit. All right. I found the video. I found the Muttley video. I'll add this on to the uh, to the Facebook pages as well. Holy crap. That one looks a lot more like a dog to me than the other one. For those of you that don't have, like, Facebook or social media and get mad at me that I keep posting it on there, A, I'm sorry. I really am. B, you just look up Muttley ghost dog or ghost dog pet exorcism. Basically, those seem to be the key words that bring you to the video so you can see it for yourself. Video starts with a, uh, unlike the leg of a kid, from like the waist down of a kid to the left of the screen and then Muttley comes walking and then as you heard in that video, the guy go, what the? So, yeah, go Muttley. Kicking out the ghosts. 
hey, you know what? If you got a dog that sees stuff in your house, like a living dog, you have a living pet, doesn't have to be a dog, dog or cat. You got a living pet that sees stuff in your house, and you're like, what the hell are you staring at all the time? And you start to think, well, maybe that that dog or cat is staring at a ghost and growling or hissing or whatever. Then keeping, you know, going down that rabbit hole, when they pass, they could then tell that thing to get the fuck out of there. So I can kind of get behind that. I think it's cool. Alrighty, let's go next to uh let's go to Ireland to St. Patrick's Cathedral, where a ghost dog has been seen there for centuries. Alright, here's the legend of this ghost dog. The dog belonged to Captain John McNeil Boyd of the Ajax, who died in Oh, I'm gonna get this so wrong, I'm sorry. Uh, who died in Dun Lauher Lauher Harbor. I'm sorry, people from Ireland. Loghair? Loghair Arbor. I don't know. Dun Loghair, Lego Hair, Loghair Harbor in the storm of 1861. Look, there was a captain, John McNeil Boyd. He died in the storm, in a harbor in the storm of 1861. It's said he was swept away from his boat by a massive wave. And as he, or some sites say, he and his dog were trying to rescue passengers from boats, uh, other boats that like capsized during the storm, that he was drowned, basically. He got, you know, swept away from his boat, possibly him and his dog, and he drowned. So, moving forward in time... Ooh, I can do this one. All right, moving forward to his funeral. During his procession, the legend says that his dog followed the procession. Oh, so the dog didn't die. So, those other sites, BS. The dog doesn't die at this point. During his procession... The legend says his dog followed the procession, howling, then laid down on his grave, refusing to get up or move, and sadly, the dog died of starvation. Cut two. People started to see a ghost dog, both at the grave and at the base of Boyd's statue inside the cathedral itself, St. Patrick, Patrick's Cathedral. So, Kurt here, if you go there, if you go either to Boyd's grave or Boyd's statue at St. Patrick's Cathedral, please, someone leave that dog a ball or a treat or something, you know? Say, hey, you know, this is from Kurt. Just give the good dog that stayed loyal to the end, give him a treat, for God's sakes. All right, there's a similar story from Norfolk about Norfolk, about two fishermen who owned a dog, and all three of them drowned at sea. So this one... Both fisherman and the dog dies. People have reported seeing a ghost dog at both of their graves. But, for me anyway, since there's no names of the fishermen, no dates, or any other identifying detail, I'm going to chalk that one up to grain of salt. If you guys find out more details, let me know. Because, again, if that is the case and it's real, give that dog a treat for me. All right, for this next one, though, let's get back over into America to my home state of Michigan, to the Holly Hotel. At the Holly Hotel, they have a good girl dog, ghost dog, I should say, named Leona. She's a ghost rat terrier. That's right, guests have reported hearing Leona run down the halls or feeling her brush up against their legs. Even the hotel's morning chefs report hearing Leona bark for her breakfast. Aw. Now, Leona is said to be the spirit of the real-life Leona, which was pet of the hotel's former owner. Uh, 
not ghost animal stuff, but there's a bunch of stuff I have about the Holly Hotel. I'm going to get into this for a second. Other things that are seen at this hotel, disembodied voices, laughter, shadows, singing, smelling cigars, or floral perfume. People have also reported seeing a man wearing a frock coat and a top hat. This man is named Mr. Hurst. He was the first hotelier there, and he died in the 1920s and was notif- was recognized. The ghost was recognized by looking at a couple of photographs. They also report seeing a ghost girl that looks to be about 9 to 13 years old with red hair. And this ghost girl is always playing with meat cleavers. Yeah, she's seen playing with meat cleavers in the kitchen and on the banquet room steps. The crap kind of ghost kid is that? Now, there are many sites that say that this little girl ghost was even seen materializing during a seance there in the 90s, but no cleavers at that time. They just were doing a seance in the 90s at the Holly Hotel, and a ghost girl showed up. Now, another known ghost at the Holly Hotel is Nora. She was a hostess there. Her ghost is most often seen in the bar and back hallways, She is recognized because her portrait still hangs in the hotel. And also, direct from their own website, in February of 1996, a woman named Mrs. Kutlinos, I don't, doesn't matter. She's probably dead. Uh, This woman arrived at the Holly Hotel early, getting ready for Thursday afternoon tea. As was her standard, she began to walk the dining rooms for a quick morning inspection. When she rounded the corner into the dining room, she was greeted by the image of a Native American who looked to be as real as anything else in the room, except that he had no feet. The Native American hovered in view for a few moments before fading away, completely out of view. No Native Americans have been reported before or since this encounter. That's crazy. That's cool, man. This hotel has a lot of paranormal activity, so... If you go there, you might get lucky and see a ghost dog, or you might get unlucky and see a little girl ghost with meat cleavers. So, you know, good luck. Her, she is the 1% of the ghosts I don't want to see from this episode. Alrighty, from there, let's head a bit west over to Chicago to the corner of 95th Street and Keene. Now, sadly, this intersection was dangerous as hell back in the day, and at least seven people and some horses died in the intersections from automobiles. Since then, there have been numerous ghost horse sightings. Many people have reported seeing a ghost horse with and without a rider crossing that intersection. Now, when people kind of like slow down or stop to let them pass, the horse or the horse and rider disappear near the center of the intersection. So this could be like, you know, like I was talking about earlier, like a residual haunting could be a time slip haunting. Who knows? but it doesn't seem to be interactive. Alrighty, from there, let's head on over to Port Tobacco in Maryland. Now, this is actually one of the oldest ghost stories in the United States. Reports of this ghost sighting have been found dating back to the 1700s. Again, for me, that's way cool. I love that kind of historical stuff, but I didn't want to, you know, I'm not going to get too deep into it. So here's the legend. Charles Thomas Sims went into a bar and he was bragging about all the gold that he and his dog just found. Which, you know, Kurt here, I gotta say, dumb move, dude. And to prove my point, he was then beaten to death by thieves right outside the bar. It's said that he put up a good fight and his dog fought alongside him, 
but sadly, they were both killed by the thieves. Now, the legend doesn't stop there, though. They say that the thieves take the gold, they bury it alongside the road, kind of like, you know, waiting for the heat to die down from what they just did. You know, they just killed a guy right out in the street. So they let the heat die down. They come back to dig up the gold, but they're stopped or attacked, again, depending where you get your info, by a large blue tick hound, exactly like the one they killed along with Charles. That's right. Charles's dog killed them. The ghost of Charles's dog killed the guys, possibly. Now, depending on where you get your info, they either the hound killed a couple of the thieves or the hound scared them away and they die soon after from like a mysterious illness or some died there by the hound and one got away to die from illness shortly after. Look, the legend is there's a ghost dog. It's still seen to this day and it's said to be protecting the missing gold. Again, you know, give the poor dog a treat, get to know the dog, befriend the dog and maybe... Just maybe you can find some missing gold. That'd be cool. All right, this next couple are most definitely urban legends, but I'm going to include them anyway. I even think I talked about the first one before, but I'm not sure. Maybe in a Halloween episode. I don't know. It just sounded really familiar. So here's a brief synopsis or re-synopsis or whatever of the first one. All right, the first one is Nashville's Preston, the friendly ghost dog. He's a he's a boxer dog ghost. I would say a boxer dog ghost dog, that protects trick-or-treaters while crossing the streets. Now, he's often heard barking every Halloween. The legend is so popular there that people leave him dog biscuits every Halloween. Awesome. Love that. All right, here's a Preston tale. A 13-year-old girl was out trick-or-treating with her friends and other neighborhood kids. Following along with them was Preston. Since Preston was the neighborhood dog, they weren't concerned or nervous. The 13-year-old lost track of her 7-year-old brother and went looking for him. When she walked down one of the neighborhood streets, she saw her brother in the middle of the road picking up candy that he had dropped from his sack. When she saw her brother in the road, she dropped everything and ran to him because a car was speeding right down the road straight for the kid. Suddenly, Preston streaked past her at lightning speed and knocked the little boy out of the car's path. Sadly, Preston took the brunt of the car's impact, throwing him into the front of the yard, into another front yard. The girl's brother was unharmed, after the crowd determined the boy was okay, the 13-year-old girl suddenly remembered Preston and went looking for him. Preston's body was never found. See? Cool story. Love it. Leave a dog bone out every Halloween. Who cares? Leave a good dog for Preston. If Preston was, you know, was real, hell yeah, leave him a treat. But it's just so urban legendy. All right, next one, though, the other urban legend that I definitely think are on here is the Black Dog of Hanging Hills, Connecticut. Now, this legend goes back for at least a century from what I could find. It's of a black ghost dog that is often seen on the cliff sides of Hanging Hills. Legend says if you see him once, you'll have great luck. But if you see him twice, you'll have great misfortune. All right, one of the earliest alleged counts of the black dog was published in the Connecticut Quarterly in 1898 by New York geologist W.H.C. Pinchon. According to Pinchon, in February of 1891, he and geologist Herbert Marshall of the U.S. Geological Society were conducting research in the Hanging Hills when they saw the dog. Pinchon had seen the dog once before. Marshall, who had seen the dog twice, scoffed at the legend. Shortly afterwards, Marshall slipped on the ice atop one of the cliffs and plunged to his death. 
Six years later, Pichon returned to the Hanging Hills again, and he was never seen alive again. Whoa-ho-ho. After extensive search for his body, he was found dead in the same ravine where Herbert Marshall had fallen, almost in the same spot. All right. Cool, cool story. I dig it. But here's my Hanging Hills ghost dog tip of the day. If you go there and you see the ghost dog, keep him in your sights the entire time until you leave and then never go back there. Boom, great luck. You're having great luck. Now, if you go there and you see him, but then you lose sight of him, you're like, oh crap, where'd he go? Immediately blindfold yourself and call someone to come and get you. Because boom, good luck for both of you. If they see the ghost dog, they get the, you know, they, they, oh crap, there is a ghost dog. I saw him and they had, you know, they guide you out of the forest. Boom, you both have good luck. And, you know, since you're blindfolded, you won't run, run the risk of seeing him twice. It's real simple here, people. Go there once, see a ghost dog, and get the fuck out and never go back. All right, next up. Next up is from uh, Christopher Knight. That name might sound familiar to some of you. He played Peter Brady on The Brady Bunch. Now, he's told this story a few times. He said, while filming a ghost episode of The Brady Bunch, the cast was staying at a creepy bed and breakfast and stayed up late telling ghost stories before finally going to bed. He said he woke up in the middle of the night to find two hunting dogs sitting at the foot of his his bed, staring at him. Then he saw a little girl gazing up at him from the doorway. Neither the dogs nor the girls made a sound. So... He wakes up the next day, he's telling his story to everybody, and the B&B owner said, hey, uh, come over here for a second, and took him over to a fireplace where two hunting dogs were depicted on a metal fire guard of the old firehouse, of the old house's fireplace. And he said, yeah, Christopher said, yeah, those were the same dogs that he saw. So there's a cool little celebrity ghost dog sighting. All righty, up next is a story from nursery school teacher Deborah Tadman about her oldest cat, Wiggy. Now, Wiggy passed away, so she calls an animal communicator, Sharon Callaghan, to contact Wiggy. Now, Deborah said, Wiggy and I were very close. We had a close relationship, and I felt as if I had lost a child. He had seen me through a marriage, divorce, other relationships, three house moves, and other life experiences. Sharon made contact with Wiggy and said Wiggy is concerned about her apartment, calling it, quote, a toxic place. Cut to a year later. Deborah is still living there, not taking Wiggy's warning seriously as far as I'm concerned. So she decides to, you know, paint her apartment and discovers asbestos and mold in the walls and the ceiling and wiring that was really bad and about to cause a fire. She said, to this day, I can't believe how accurate and true that reading was. Well, yeah, maybe you don't wait a year next time, Deborah. Wiggy warned your dumb ass. Pretty sure that's the only time I'm ever going to say on this podcast, Wiggy warned your dumb ass. All right, up next one. Uh, the next one on here isn't about a dog, isn't about a cat, isn't about a Wiggy. It's about a ghost monkey. That's right, ghost monkey. For this one, we head on over to the Athelhampton House, which is a large estate in Dorset, England, where the ghost of Martin, a pet chimpanzee, is seen. We got another paranormal news piece for this episode. Ooh, I wonder if this is from 2016. Let's see. 
Holy crap, this one's from 2016, too. I'm telling you, man, there was something about 2016 and ghost pets. This news story says, Ghost of rude, masturbating monkey shocks visitors to the stately home in Dorset. I'm going to... I'm going to relish this one for a minute. I'm going to repeat that headline. Ghost of rude, masturbating monkey shocks visitors to stately home in Dorset. That's right. The ghost of a masturbating monkey put the willies up visitors to a stately home in Dorset. The phantom of the chortling chimp swings from the rafters while scratching his privates. A huge beam on his face. But his rude antics at the historic Athelhampton Hall aren't putting people off. Holiday makers flock to catch a glimpse of the naughty but nice spectral wannabe like you. Woohoo! Version of King Louis. What the crap? This is a weirdly worded article. I'm skipping ahead. Couples even clamor to have their marriages held there, even though they might get the spooky ape grinning and pleasuring himself in the background in their wedding photos. All right, I'm back into liking this article. His antics have helped the hall to be named as one of the most haunted houses in England. It's on the list of nine spooky properties drawn up by We Buy Any House. The 15th century house near Dorchester was originally built by the Martin family, whose family crest was a monkey sitting on a tree stump. The family motto was, He who looks at Martin's ape, Martin's ape will look at him. And since then, the ghost of Martin's ape has haunted the house. Well, he's not an ape. He's a chimpanzee. Come on, guys. One tourist who is, are the chimpanzees apes? I don't know. Maybe they are. Don't, you, don't have to, you don't have to message me saying, Hey, you know what, Kurt? Chimpanzees are apes. Or, come on, Kurt. Chimpanzees. It doesn't matter. I don't care. One tourist who visited recently, 41-year-old dad of three, John Morrison of Derby, said, We heard that the monkey which haunts the house loves to scratch his privates while swinging around. We didn't see him, which is a shame, because it would have been a real sight. Apparently he's not terrifying. Quite friendly is what we heard. According to the legend, the family did have an ape which had freedom of the hall and could wander as it chose. One of the Martin daughters had an unhappy love affair and decided to kill herself. Sensing something tragic was about to happen, the ape began to follow her around. When she climbed to a set of hidden stairs to the secret room, the ape trailed behind her, though she didn't st- she didn't spot him. In the room, she kills herself, thinking no one cared and no, no one would ever find her, but she wasn't alone. The faithful ape was locked in with her. By the time the family searched the house and grounds, eventually locating the room, the ape had starved to death next to her body. That's crazy. I'm going to skip ahead a little bit. The house is reputed to have six other ghosts, all humans. Uh, it's a long been known as a haunted spot, featuring on TV's Most Haunted in 2002. Wow. There's been a structure on the site since the Saxon times. Andrea Cook, who lived at the house with her family for more than 20 years, says she's witnessed all sorts of odd and inexplicable things. And while many have a rational explanation, she said there are always some which do not. The most recent was a dark hooded figure which rushed past one of our cleaners. On the first sighting, she assumed she had imagined it, but ten minutes later, it came towards her again, up the old servant staircase, and hurried past into her, bath- into her bathroom. She was terribly excited about it, having never witnessed such a thing. What, what, this, what this was makes no sense at all. It's a figure, it is a figure our youngest son has seen on a couple of occasions, but the cleaner was unaware of this at the time. Despite all of this, it's an amazing place to live. It's a beautiful home, a little odd, and, you know, it's got a masturbating ghost monkey. That one is cool. All right, so those are all well and good. I enjoyed that whole part of this episode, especially that last one. But the reason I wanted to do this episode is to hear from real people telling their stories of ghost pets. And holy crap, are there a ton of them online. And I mean a lot of them. 
Hopefully you guys have all heard me talk about or heard the live episodes where paramaniacs have talked about their own personal ghost pet stories. And if you haven't, I highly suggest listening to those live episodes. The listener stories are fantastic. You can skip ahead like all of the, the rambling that I do and just jump right into the uh, the phone calls. They're It's highly worth it. I really recommend it. But like I said, I wanted to do this story because I wanted to hear or read real people telling their stories of ghost pets. So I went over to Reddit and yeah, there's a ton of them. Yeah, sure. Grain of salt. You don't know if people are really telling the truth, but I have no reason to really doubt these people. They're talking about their their pets that have passed away. So, and then seeing them again. So, you know, very emotional stuff. I kind of lean towards these are real. But I guess you know, for sake of argument, grain of salt all of these stories. But here are some here are just some of them. There's tons of them. When I was about 11 or 12, I got a second I got my second cat a while after my first had suddenly been knocked over by a car on the main road outside our house. One evening, I was in bed trying to fall asleep, and I felt what I thought was the cat jump onto my bed and then walk over to me. Anyone who knows a, owns a cat or a dog probably knows what this feels like. Yep, 100% do. I then heard purring really close to me, so I'm like, oh, okay, I'm, I'm then going to pet ya. I reach out in the direction I hear. It's really dark, and I feel nothing. So I'm like, huh, okay, and I go to turn the light on. My heart instantly skipped a beat when I saw there was nothing in my room and my door was closed. I thought, okay, maybe I'm imagining it. I turn the light off. I go back to bed. Nearly instantly, I hear purring again. Now, freaking the hell out, I jump out of the bed and I bolt out of my room. My cat, the living cat, was in the kitchen, and I refused to sleep in my room for a week because I was too freaked out. Never heard it again after that. If I had just heard a purring sound on its own, I'd have chalked it up to something else. It was the feeling of the jumping on the bed and the walking across that freaked me out. You know, I understand the whole, like, oh, my God, it's a ghost, but it's your cat. It's your ghost. You have a ghost pet. Don't be freaked out by ghost pets. Love the fact that they came back for you. All right, the next one is a short one. My sister had dreams about her dog, whom was hit by a train shortly after her father died. She dreamed the dog told her they were together. She's not a very religious person at all, but she's convinced that ghosts must be real because of it. And the next one says, Our two cats had two kittens, had kittens two years ago. Our two cats had kittens two years ago, and one of them died after a couple of days. We both feel it jumping on the bed, and sometimes we see a glimpse of her or just feel her presence. It's nice knowing that she's still here. Next one says, I lived in a haunted-ass active house that had some animal spirit attached to it or something. I had one cat, and from time to time I'd hear it digging in her litter box or playing with this one specific toy that chirped when batted around. But my cat was always in the same room as me during these noises. That was cool. I like that one. Uh, the next one says, I remember a few years ago, I saw what I believe was the ghost of my old cat, Bella. Bella died when I was about eight years old, and this event happened when I was maybe 14 and had two new cats. It had been the last day of school holidays, so I was laying in bed trying to sleep. But since it had just been the holidays, I was, of course, used to staying out to around 3 a.m. and was just laying there wide awake trying to sleep. Usually, when I can't sleep, I like to go to the other end of my bed where the two cats sleep to cuddle them. When I sat up, I looked at my doorway and I saw the silhouette of a cat just sitting there in the doorway watching me. I was able to see her outline from the bit of light underneath my brother's door. I assumed it was Lily, but still thought it was strange because even though she's a skinny cat, she's also a long-haired ragdoll cat. 
whereas this cat seemed to have short hair from what I could see. I looked at the end of the bed and saw both of my cats laying there fast asleep. When I looked back at the door, this cat stood up and walked off down the hallway. I definitely believe, I definitely believe there are ghost animals. This next one says, we used to have this chubby tuxedo cat named Moxie. She used to like to sit on top of this plastic container in our kitchen, but because she was so chubby, it would always make a noise when she jumped on it. She passed away not long after having a litter of kittens. We've since put the container into storage, but we still hear the sound of her jumping on it in the same place it used to sit. We've also had instances of feeling a cat tail, uh, feeling a cat tail wrap around our legs when none of our cats are near us. The next one says, since moving into the apartment, I'm in about, hun- uh, about a year and a half now, I've seen one ghost. It was like looking through a kaleidoscope of clear. And I've also seen a woman's torso and up and also the dog ghost. My own dog had died not long too, too long before, but not at this apartment. He was a lot smaller. This one is a decent-sized medium to large dog. Once I said something to him, her, he disappeared. I haven't seen him since. I don't exactly remember what I said, but it wasn't a scary feeling. Yeah, it's not a scary feeling. Come on. Again, if you're going to have a ghost, have a ghost dog or a cat. That's cool as hell. All right, this next one says... When my childhood cat passed away, I kept my window cracked the same as when she was alive. For months, every night I could feel a cat jump down from the windowsill onto my bed and curl up in her spot. After a few nights of going to reach for her, for her, reach for her just to disappear, I stopped reaching for her. She stayed all night. When my mom got me another cat, this one stopped visiting. The new cat curled up by my head. After he passed, same experience but in his designated spot, including the feeling of him stepping on my hair. I only reached for him once. I've never had the experience with any other pets I've owned and lost. This next one says, Our cat died recently. One night I swore I I felt him jump onto the bed with me. I told my husband about it the next day. His eyes got wide and he said he came into the room to go to bed. He swore he saw the cat sitting on the hope chest. Next one says, Every so often my wife and I will be laying down for bed. We'll feel the distinct thud of what we think is one of our cats jumping up on the bed to cuddle up next to us. Problem problem is, often there is no cat. I've even felt the pressure of something walking or crawling around the bed, and again, nothing there. This next one said, "There, There have also been a few instances where in the middle of the night, something drop kicks the... Oh, I guess this is... start. I'm sorry, this is the same one, same guy. There have also been a few instances where in the middle of the night, something drop kicks the side of the bed with some considerable force, much more than any of our cats could, but nothing usually happens after that. All right, next one. My dad was in hospice care at the family house. The doctor and his nurse both told me that old family pets will start showing back up first. Sure enough, visitors spotted my mom's dog in puppy form in the front living room where she passed away from old age. The dog, not the mom. I found the dog waiting there for dad with her chin propped up the windowsill uh, when I stopped by one Sunday. Ooh, that's terrible. The family cat Buster was sighted by several other people in what had been my old childhood bedroom. He had passed away almost 30 years earlier. He was sitting on the window seat in his favorite spot. Now for the weirder part. Last night in our bedroom, Butters, our large ginger tabby, jumped from the nightstand onto the bed. There was a large knock-on-wood sound, and the bed seemed to move slightly. It's a large king-size bed on a heavy wood frame. My wife in the adjoining TV room asked me what the heck that noise was. 
I was facing the bed at the time this happened. Butters, Butters, my wife, the South Park fan, hauled his ass out of the room. We've been in this house for a full seven years. We don't know what made that noise. It wasn't Butters. The next one says, my sister's ashes are in the guest room closet next to our bedroom, awaiting scattering her remains out on the gulf as soon as the cats... Soon. Oh, sorry. I get it. So her sister's ashes are in the guest room closet next to the bedroom while they're waiting to scatter her ashes um, in the gulf. The cats won't go into that bedroom anymore since the ashes have been put in there. Right after her ashes arrived from the mortuary, a tall metal tumbler did fall over by itself on a small table in our TV room. It had been our sister's tumbler. When we rescued our dog, <clears throat> when we rescued our dog, Gus, we would hear another set of paws running up the hall, even though he was sat right next to us, or his toys would be moved, even though we felt him crated. We left him crated. I get it. Sorry, a lot of spelling errors. We kept gates up for potty training purposes, and one day I looked down the hall and I saw another dog. It looked like Gus, except the muzzle was black. Gus was also right next to me. I legit was like, how the fuck did another dog get in here? When I turned back, the dog was gone. I searched the house and looked around for any way a dog could get in. I can't explain it. We since we think, since they look alike, maybe it was a litter mate that it was attached to Gus. All right, that's cool. I like that one. Spelling errors and all, I like that story. The next one says, toys still move on their own. You can still feel small, cold spots on the couch and bed. And sometimes we see a small little black streak zip by us out of the corner of our eyes. We just joke that we've had three dogs. You can't always see one of them. What? Oh, okay. I guess they have a goat's dog as well. Let's see this next one. One time I'm in someone's business and the store cat came over to rub against the back of my legs. I reached down to scratch it. Error. Nothing was there. I then tried to figure out where the cat went. An employee asked me politely, if they could help me, otherwise known as what the hell are you doing? And I told them the store cat wandered by. I was trying to find it. They said, we don't have a store cat. Next one says, I've experienced it twice. Heard my deceased guinea pig squeal when I was a kid and heard my dog snore two days after she died a few years ago. Both times it only happened once, but my son also heard the dog in a different part of the house the same day. I really wish she would visit again, but she hasn't. Hopefully that means she's happy where she is. And the next one says, I really wish she would, oh wait, I moved into an 1840s home with my husband and my dog. About two months after moving in and getting organized, I swear I saw a cat slowly creeping down our hallway. I've seen it a couple of times, and every time I see it, our dog is looking where I'm looking, wagging her tail, and her ears are perked up. Alrighty, I thought that, that's enough for right now. That about does it for this edition. I gotta say, I love ghost pet stories. I really do. Again, of all the ghosts you can see, a ghost pet is high, high up on my list. Ghost dinosaur? Slightly above ghost pet. Ghost masturbating monkey? Well, let's see. I'm going to say ghost dinosaur one. Yeah, I'll put it at the one spot. Ghost masturbating monkey? I'm going to put it at the two spot. Ghost dogs and cats, three and four. Ghost horse, five. Not that I have anything against horses. I'm just ranking them. Um... Ghost little girl with a meat cleaver? Well, I'm going to say out of 10, I'm going to put her at like 110. I do not want to see that. It'd be fine if I did because I would be like, cool, cool, I just saw a ghost. But, you know, someone's got to be next to me and you better be prepared for me to go, holy shit, there's a little ghost girl with a fucking meat cleaver because that's some scary shit. That is some scary, scary crap. 
But uh, but yeah, don't be afraid of ghost animals. Don't be afraid of ghost pets. You got a lucky chance to see your dog or your cat again or your guinea pig again. I love the fact that someone threw in a guinea pig in there. It seems like it happens to a lot of species of animals. It definitely happens around the world. I mean, every country seems to have a ghost pet story or a ghost animal story. So don't be surprised if you hear more about ghost pets later on, maybe even the 200th episode, probably the 200th episode. Uh, but yeah, I thought this was a cool one. I, uh, I've been wanting to do a full ghost pet episode for a while. I just needed to, you know, give it some space, give it some time and find the right time. And I figured now's the right time. I love hearing it. Like I said, when the live episodes happen and I get the regular callers and they talk about ghost animals, I love those stories. I absolutely love them. So I figured here's a full episode for everybody. I hope you guys like them too. Again, if you're in to the whole like old newspaper stories about them, I recommend getting a you know subscription to like newspapers.com or, or free trial or whatever. Just type in ghost pets. There's a shit ton of them, man. There's a lot. And if you don't want to do that, well, maybe... Maybe I'll throw some of those stories into a future episode. Who knows? You never can tell. But once again, thank you guys for listening. I hope you guys like this episode. I love this one. I really do. Uh, once again, I'm your host, Kurt Sandvig, and this has been another edition of Paranormal Almanac. Das ist der Name, der Umbiwa Lappstedt, so ein Gusimmer.